Good morning, Uniontown. So glad that you're here this morning. Uh, we wanted to remind you first off that next Sunday is going to look a little different. We're not going to have the 9 a.m. online service and the 9.30 and 11 o'clock service here in the morning. Next week, we're going to have the outdoor worship service at 6 p.m. outside back in the field. And we would love for you to come and be a part of that. Uh, right now, you're going to see a QR code on the screen. So if you haven't registered for that, we would love for you to register and let us know that you're coming. Uh, if you don't know what a QR code is, you can put your phone up at that right now, and it'll take you right to a registration link, and you can register right now. So if you'd like to do that, that'd be great. We, we really just need people to register, mostly so that we can understand if it's 250 or 750, we have to set up a little differently. So we would love for you to do that. Um, okay, we've been talking through our mission statement for the last couple weeks. And uh, you just saw that in, in the video. And first, we started with love God most. And we talked through Zephaniah 3.17. And the simple fact that we can love because God loved us first. God is the definition of love. We need to reconnect with and not forget the vast love that he has for us. And then last week, Jeff shared, and he talked with us about loving others best and really talking and concentrating on loving others inside the church or inside of our faith. Um, he did an amazing job, and, and he talked. One of the lines he said is, the Christian life is not about us. Uh, that rang true in my mind all week in several different circumstances. I hope it did with you too. He's awesome. We're so glad that he's here. I can't wait to see what God's going to do with him. Then this morning... We're going to talk specifically through loving others best and loving those outside of our church, outside of our faith. So this morning, we're going to camp in 2 Corinthians 5, 14 to 21. If you want to grab that, I'm going to read it in just a second. Again, it's 2 Corinthians 5, 14 to 21. All right, let me read that. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So that passage has a lot jam-packed in it, right? First, the verse starts off referencing what we learned a few weeks ago. God loved us so much by sending his son Jesus to die in our place. If we understand his vast overwhelming, never-ending love of us, it's then that we're compelled to act or to love. The word compel a lot of times is translated also control. His love controls us. 
And I think we get a negative view of that. I know I do, because no one wants to be controlled, right? However, in this use, the word is more motivational. It's in the present tense, and so um, the, it implies that compel or control is a continuous action. God's love of us should compel you, it should compel me to love him continuously. Now that we're compelled to love, we read in verse 15, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Jesus died for all, everyone not just a certain few. No, everyone. We're all in the same boat. And Jesus made it possible for us to have eternal life by dying for you and me. You have to accept that free gift, but his intention was for all people. And then, if you believe, your life ought to look different. Let's be real. If you're still living for you, your choice is based on what's best for you, not what's best for God. If you're living for yourself, you're making yourself God. If you're living for God, your decisions, your actions, your choices, your thoughts should look and be different. That's so hard, right? We're not perfect. <laughs> we make mistakes. All of us do. But if we're living for him our intention should be to bring him glory. If we're changed, our entire outlook or perspective should be different. In verse 16, Paul kind of warns us here on this. He says, so from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. He kind of slams us here a little bit, right? He's like, remember when people saw Christ in the outward or the worldly view. Specifically, he was kind of crazy. He was radical. He wasn't sticking with the norms. He was challenging thoughts and opinions and perceptions. And then, now, we know better. We know he's the Savior. So, in the same way, we need to view people the way Christ viewed us, in need of grace and a Savior. I don't know about you, but I really wish that people would have that view of me on a regular basis, right? <laughs> Look, how many times have we viewed someone else through our perspective or our lens <laughs> and not God's? Why? Because we're sinful. When I worked in the defense world, I used to drive two hours one way to get to work. I would leave really early in the morning from Westminster and I'd drive to the other side of DC and uh, it would take about two hours depending on the traffic. And then I would work eight, 10, 12, sometimes even more hours and then I would drive two hours home. And uh, if you're in this room right now and you commute, it is the worst, right? I know John Rudder is right there. I, he can raise his hand to that. Um, it is just mind maddening if you drive that long. Um, so here I am. I've been at work all day. I'm driving home. I've been in the car for about an hour and a half. I've gotten off, you know, the big roads, 270, all that stuff. I'm on kind of the small back roads. And I get stuck behind the slowest person on the face of the planet, right? I mean, really, in my mind, I'm like, you're slow. You're probably 
anciently old, and you really need to move. The truth of the matter was, they were actually going the speed limit. It just wasn't my speed limit. It wasn't what I wanted them to be going, right? So, so we're driving. I'm on the phone. I'm talking with a friend of mine who's a pastor, and I'm telling him, oh my gosh, I just want to be home. This guy in front of me is so slow. I can't believe it. And I'm driving. I'm driving. Finally, I get to a place where I can safely pass him. So I pull out, and I'm passing. I'm on the phone with my friend complaining about this guy. And I get up, and right, you know, when you pass, and you can kind of look over and see the person. I'm expecting this, you know, gray-haired, little old person who can't see over the steering wheel. <clears throat> no, it was the pastor who I was complaining to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, pretty much, <laughs> pretty much insert foot in mouth. Um, I wasn't going to get out of that one. He pretty much just kind of looked at me and smiled. <laughs> Oh, well, <laughs> it's all good. I didn't have God's view, right? No, I had my selfish, me-based agenda of what was best for me, not God's view. If we're really changed, the old is gone. We're a new creation, totally and completely a new creation. That doesn't mean that we don't revert back to our old ways, our old habits, our old thoughts, but we have the power to live as a new creation. Listen to some of these verses on our identity in Christ as a new creation. I, I made copies of this too because I know that people are going to ask for this list. Um, here we go. It's Genesis 131. God says, we are good and very good. Matthew 5.13, we're salt of the earth. Matthew 5.14, we're the light of the world. Exodus 19.5, we're his treasured possessions. Matthew 11.28-30, we're rested. Deuteronomy 31.8, we're never forsaken. Luke 1.28, we're highly favored. Luke 5.19, we're right in front of Jesus. John 3.16, we're loved by the Father. Psalm 8, 5 through 6, we're crowned with glory and honor. Psalm 17, 8, we're the, the apple of God's eyes. John 17, 11, we're protected. Psalm 86, 11, wholehearted. Romans 6, 2 through 11, we're dead to sin. Psalm 103, 5, youthful and satisfied. Romans 12, 6, we're gifted. 1 Corinthians 3, 6, we're growing. Isaiah 118, we're white as snow. 1 Corinthians 15:57, we're victorious. Isaiah 43:7, we're created for his glory. 1 Peter 2:9, his chosen ones, royal priests, holy ones belonging to him. 1 John 3:1, we're lavished in love. Revelation 19:7 through 8, we're his bride. That's just a few of the verses about our identity as new creations in Christ. That's amazing. That means that performance-driven, the messed up, needing grace, Mark, is a new creation in God's eyes because of the work Jesus did on the cross and the fact that I've chosen to live for him. Okay. Now God moves on in this verse and walks through, and Paul walks through, talking about reconciliation. Number, uh, verse 18, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us 
the ministry of reconciliation. First and foremost, I want you to notice how this is written. First, God is reconciling the world to himself. That's you and me. Every person has the same opportunity to be reconciled with God. Reconciliation is from the Greek word katalage, meaning an exchange, reconciliation, or restoration to favor. People often confuse forgiveness and reconciliation as if they're the same thing, and they're not. Reconciliation is the final step in the forgiveness process. It's an extra bonus when and if it occurs. It takes two people to reconcile. It only takes one to forgive. You can forgive someone, or maybe you've been forgiven, but there's no absolute that your relationship will be or should be restored. We're commanded to forgive. You hear that in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who trespass against us. Reconciliation is the next step in the forgiveness process. We're not commanded to reconcile with others. We're asked to do so when it's possible, and I believe it's God's heart. Someone can hurt you really, really deeply, and you can come to a place of forgiving them, even if they didn't ask you for forgiveness. I had to learn that the hard way. Honestly, um, it took me a really long time to forgive a very specific person in my life. Um, I believe it's Christ's heart for us to be reconciled, but that may not be possible, especially if the person doesn't really even know that they need to ask for forgiveness, right? Why am I bringing this up? Because I want us to understand reconciliation. What's crazy is God wants to be reconciled to you. He's created the way for that to happen. Not just forgiven and then set aside like a lesser friend or a hurt friend. No, we sin against God all the time. And he creates a way for reconciliation or restoring us to favor. He could very easily hold all of our sins against us, forgive us, and then just kind of be done and walk away, right? But no, he wants to be reconciled with you and with me. He wants to know you and be in relationship with you. That's crazy. All of these verses are now leading up to the main point of the message this morning. Remember, this is where we've been. Christ's love compels us. We live for him. He died for all. Have Christ's perspective or view, not a worldly view. We're a new creation. We're reconciled to God. And then now in verse 20, he uses a very specific word. Let me read it. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. An ambassador. Many people have heard that term, and you've probably heard of like a U.S. ambassador, and you don't fully grasp the meaning of that word. An ambassador is acting on behalf or in place of the one who's sending him or her. 
Ambassadors represent the policies and the interests of their home countries around the world with other foreign governments and leaders. An ambassador doesn't just carry the message. He has the authority of the one who sent it. An ambassador is acting in the place of or of the highest rank or position. So a U.S. ambassador is acting on behalf of the president of the United States or us, the nation as a whole. Have you ever viewed yourself as an ambassador of Christ? A few things come to my mind. To be an ambassador of Christ, you need to know and understand the heart of the Father. You need to know him and love him and know his ways, living, breathing, and loving the way the Father does. You can't fake being an ambassador. As an ambassador of Christ, you have one sole responsibility with those around you. Share the message of how to be reconciled to God. Just as we've been reconciled, it's now our job as an ambassador of Jesus to share the gospel, to share the path or the way that others can be reconciled to God. So this has kind of, as I've been going through this, has caused me to ask two questions. Does my life speak of his gospel? Do my actions look different than the world's? Can someone look at me or experience me and say, there's something different about Mark? That means we have to live out his commandments even when they're not popular. Especially in today's society, because God's ways are definitely not the go-to answer anymore. So if you follow them, you look different. Can I also just say as an aside, if you're constantly fighting and yelling, a lot of times this happens on social media, I guess it can happen in person too, but if you're just shoving things at people, they can even be the right answers that you're just throwing out there. Are you mimicking the heart of God? I'm not saying don't stand up for God when we need to do that. We need to do that. But I do think one reason the church can sometimes look no different than the world many times is because it's not out of a heart of humility. Be humble. Humility looks way different than screaming the right answer at someone. Number two, the question number two, are you proclaiming that others can be reconciled with God? Are you sharing the gospel? Look, bottom line is, we're called to be his ambassador. We're called to share the message of the king, the message of God, the message of the gospel. When is the last time that you've shared the gospel with anyone with words? I love when people say to me, um, I'm going to invite my friend to church so that they can hear the gospel. Thank you so much for your vote of confidence, but... You are an ambassador of Christ, too. 
You should share Jesus with your friends who don't know him. I'm not saying we won't do that here also. We will, because we're a group of ambassadors, right? But you do not need the people behind the pulpit to be the only ones sharing the gospel. No, that's your job as an ambassador of Christ. Share the gospel in your actions by living for him, and then by speaking of his love and grace and his way to be reconciled to the Father. I really pray for that day uh, that people won't say, I'm inviting my friend to church so they can hear the gospel. But instead, people might say, I'm sharing the gospel with my friend, and I'm going to invite him to church, and I hope he hears it a second time. That would be amazing. <laughs> If you've chosen to live for Christ and make him the Lord of your life, you're an ambassador of Christ. I hope that makes you excited. If I'm honest, it makes me nervous. I'm sure it makes you nervous too. You're carrying the message of Jesus. One of the greatest experiences um, in my life was a few years ago. I talked about it a couple weeks ago. I was on a missions trip uh, on the other end of the the world. Um, and if you can't tell, I think everyone should go on a mission trip. Okay? Everyone in this room should go on a mission trip at some point. It will change your perspective, and honestly, it will change your life. <clears throat> so we're in this country, and you're not allowed to talk about other religions, especially Jesus. And here we are with this family that lives there that we know, and we've come in contact with a, they've come in contact with this refugee family who's been kicked out of their country for really no good reason. This family is intentionally building a relationship and naturally shares Jesus with them every day through their life, their actions, and their words when they can. They've become such good friends <clears throat> that when they knew that they had American guests who were in town, they, the refugee family, who, by the way, has absolutely nothing, wants to throw us a party. If I'm honest, before that day, the whole team, all of us who were there, uh, some of them are in this room, actually, all of us who were there were totally freaked out, right? Like, I didn't want to mess anything up. I didn't know what we were walking into. I, we all were trying to make excuses. Oh, maybe I don't feel good. Maybe I should stay home. You know, all that kind of stuff. The, the reality is my view was my Western American cultural view of a family that possibly could even be a little hostile towards us, if I'm honest. You know, hostile because they want to throw us a party. <laughs> Truth is, they were compelled to know us because they saw something different in our mutual friends. They saw something different. Bottom line is, as a child of God, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, as an ambassador of Christ, the best way to love others best is to share the gospel through your actions and your words. Remember, as an ambassador not to have a worldly view or a worldly perspective of people. Don't have that view that I had of that family. We're to see people the way God sees them. The view of needing grace and a savior. 
And let me say this. Don't try to be the Holy Spirit. It's our job to be obedient to what he calls us and asks us to do, but we can't control the outcomes. It's just our job to be obedient. Why do we have global and local outreach at Uniontown? Why have we really pushed people to get off the hill and get into other people's lives? Because if we're just a holy huddle up on this hill, we're not ambassadors to anything. If we serve by providing food to our neighbors, if we um, provide school supplies like we've been doing, if we're sending global partners into areas of the globe that no one knows anything about Jesus, which we're going to have the opportunity to do next Sunday again, um, if we're serving with a little love, if we're showing the love of Christ through our actions, then we hopefully will have the opportunity and the courage to share God's message of reconciliation too. You can't be an ambassador by sitting and hiding at home from the world. You can't be an ambassador by being in the world and looking just like it. An ambassador stands out. An ambassador is different and shares the message in action and speech of the Savior's message of reconciliation. Look, being an ambassador is hard, hard work. It's not easy. It's not easy for me. It's hard to live differently in this crazy society that we live in. It's definitely hard to share the message of Jesus to those in our circles. Fear of rejection, right? But that is exactly what God is asking us to do. If you've not accepted Jesus, well, then you can't be an ambassador. You've got to know him accept his love, and repent first. But then you have the grand calling in your life of sharing of his reconciliation to the Father. My guess is many of us have probably not shared the gospel in a long time in words. It's scary. I get it. I would love right now if you would just take one minute Think through your life. Think of one person who you have a relationship with that you know does not know or understand Jesus in their life. Think of that one person right now. Each one of us has one, right? Probably many, really, but one. First, if everyone talks like you, if everyone looks like you, if everyone goes to the same places as you, if everyone avoids the same things as you, you may not be an ambassador. You're stuck in a holy huddle. Second, do you think that others, or maybe this one person you're thinking of, would see something different about you? If the answer is no, or I'm not sure, then you need to examine that. You need to work that out. We can't be perfect. That's not what we're asked to do. But if you look just like the world, that's got to change. You're a new creation. Live like it. And finally, pray about when and how to share the good news of Jesus with your one. 
be intentional. Put that name that you just thought of on your mirror in your bathroom or on your fridge. Pray for and pray about when to share the good news. Let me um, end this morning with a story um, that was actually given to me that just just encapsulates everything. Um, It was really one of the most extraordinary birthday parties ever held. It wasn't in a plush ballroom in this big, fancy hotel. There wasn't uh, famous celebrities or rich or powerful people there. It was held at 3 a.m. in a seedy cafe in Honolulu. And the guest of honor was a prostitute. And the other fellow guests were prostitutes. And the person who threw the party was a man or a believer named Tony. The idea came to Tony one morning as he was at this cafe drinking coffee really early, and a whole group of prostitutes walked in to this cafe. And they sat near him at the counter, and so he could overhear their conversation. And this one um, lady that was there, this one prostitute, her name was Agnes, and she was sitting there, and she was really just lamenting. She just was sad. Her birthday was, the next day was tomorrow, and the fact of the matter was, she just never had a birthday party. She just, so she just was lamenting and kind of talking about it. And as uh, the, the prostitutes all left, and Tony's still sitting there, he listened to the Holy Spirit then. And he heard in his mind um, that maybe he should throw a birthday party for Agnes. So, thinking this through, he went to the cafe owner. The cafe's owner's name was Harry. And he went to Harry and he said, like, does that group come in here all the time? How does that work? And he said, yep, about 3.30 every morning, they are in here. And he said, okay. And he shared the idea of the birthday party. And the cafe owner said, all right, let's do it. So the next night, it's now 3.15 in the morning. And word had gotten out all over the streets. And now this cafe at 315 is totally filled with prostitutes, okay? And Tony, this believer, and Harry, the cafe owner, and Harry's wife. And they're there, and it's 3.30 in the morning, and here comes Agnes. And she walks in the door, and she's greeted with streamers and balloons and people celebrating and people yelling happy birthday, tons of people. And then they grab a cake, and they start to sing happy birthday to her. And the tears are just flowing down her face. I get a little choked up thinking about it, right? The bottom line is here. Sorry, Harry then comes and says, take this cake. Why don't you cut this cake? And she says, nope. (laughs) Would it be okay if I took this home to my mother? because I've never had a birthday cake, and I'd like to share it with her. And of course, Harry says, absolutely. And Agnes takes this cake, and she walks out of that CD cafe. And Tony, what does Tony do? Tony, what any good believer should do, grabs all of the prostitutes around him and Harry, and they pray for Agnes. It was a birthday party rarely seen in Honolulu, right? Thrown by Tony 
for a 39-year-old prostitute who had never had anyone go out of their way to do something like that for her. And she had no expectations in return. Indeed, that was so surprising that Harry, the cafe owner, found it hard to believe that there would be people or maybe a church, because they had been talking about church at this point, that would do something like this for someone else. And if there was, then he wanted to be a part of something like that. See how the story switches there? You don't know what's going to happen. God does. God is asking us to be Tony. To be in tune with the Holy Spirit and to share the love of Jesus through our actions and our words. Do you want to be Tony? Are you, are we willing to possibly get messy and dirty and even be rejected? You are an ambassador of Christ. Even if you're on the highway driving and commuting for two hours, even at 3.30 in the morning to a group of prostitutes, you carry his message. The best way to love others best outside of our faith is to be an ambassador of Christ through our actions and our words. Let's pray. Lord, um, if I'm honest, this message has been working hard in my life too. Um, We're expected to do more than just be different. We've got to start there. We have to be different. But we're expected to share, to be an ambassador of Christ, to share the love with those around us. And God, this morning, um, I just pray as we thought of that one person in our minds, Lord, help us first to live differently, to be engaged with you, to be seeking hard after you, to know you, to understand you, so that we can act and be different in this world. But also, God, help us to speak of your love and grace to that one person. Help us to be intentional about loving others best. Lord, we love you. It's in the mighty, powerful, resurrected name of Jesus we pray. Amen.